Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daducci, and this time round, you're probably waiting for this one, it's Last of Us time. But also, it's a chance for me to give you a bit of a special announcement. So, I'll do the announcement right now, but I'll give you a bit more detail at the end of this episode. This episode's going to be slightly shorter. The reason why it's taken me a while to do last of us is quite frankly there isn't enough there for an entire episode so it allows me to put in a special announcement as well and we'll get to roughly the normal length of one of these things okay so special announcement is we are going to two episodes a week the first episode comes out on tuesdays and the new episode will come out on thursdays there are a couple of reasons for this one i keep making these things And quite frankly, I make them faster than we can put out every week. We've got quite the backlog, so we're certainly not going to be running out of any categories. Although, of course, as soon as you double the amount coming out, that becomes a bit of a challenge. Secondly, we could really do with a boost of numbers. And we're hoping, obviously, if you listen to one, really hope you listen to the other one that week. It'll be on a completely different subject and topic. So enjoy the fun, enjoy the variety, as always. Please tell people about this podcast. But obviously, if you do listen to both, all that instantly boosts our listener numbers, maybe even doubles them. Although, statistically, not everybody's literally going to listen to both of them. So anyway, so that will help us go up the charts a little bit, linger a little bit and get noticed a little bit more. But as always, please click subscribe. Please give us a review. Please tell somebody about us. I'm not an arrogant person. I do not think that this is the greatest podcast ever made, but it's good quality. And certainly compared to some other ones that I listen to that get very large listenerships, there's no reason why this one couldn't be a bit bigger. So please share the love, retweet the stuff I do on Twitter, or just actually tell some other human beings about this one. Much, much appreciated. Now there's going to be twice the fun each week. That's the big announcement. A little bit more detail on the practicalities of that towards the end of this episode. But let's let's get into The Last of Us. What we need to do is go back to 2013 and talk about the actual video game The Last of Us and also this really strange relationship between video games and TV and movies. In 2013, Last of Us came out and it was pretty much the last hurrah of the PlayStation 3. Now, 
in the console wars, largely between Xbox and Sony, that was at the time when the Xbox was in its absolute prime with the Xbox 360. I was the sort of person who had an Xbox and also a PlayStation 1 because I was young, single, and earning good money then, and I would happily have two consoles. But I only had a PlayStation 2. And then I had an Xbox 360, and I certainly didn't buy a PlayStation 3, because at that point, PlayStation were much more expensive, were not nearly as good games. Where was their Halo, etc.? But what's interesting is after the Xbox 360, Sony's really stolen a, a march on Microsoft. So I moved on to PlayStation 4, and now currently I have PlayStation 5. And everybody I know who has an Xbox says, hey, look, do you know what Game Pass, where you get basically free access to lots of really good games, that's really good value. But we don't have a Horizon Zero Dawn. We don't have a Last of Us. The era of the likes of Halo and Gears of War is long gone. Xbox exclusives no way near have the same impact in the 21st century or at least in the 2020s, than they did around about the millennium, if you like, with the launch of, of Halo Combat Evolved. So the weird thing is, the PlayStation 3, though, was a not-great-selling console. It was the 360 time. So whereas everybody who played The Last of Us went, this is really good, it didn't boost the sales of PlayStation 3, because PlayStation 4 was literally around the corner. We all knew it was coming. And it took quite a while for it to be playable on the PlayStation 4. So I was not there at the beginning. You get some of these people, aficionados, if you like. It could be in movies or TV shows or video games. Oh, yes, I I was there at the very beginning. I can proudly say that I was one of the few people who actually sat down in the cinema and saw Shawshank Redemption. It was a notorious flop at the time. But I was there in the cinema going, why is nobody else talking about this film? Obviously, it's got a lot more famous since then. But anyway, it took me a while to discover The Last of Us. And what what I found interesting about it is, if you like, Neil Druckmann, the man behind The Last of Us, was quite vocal about it. And if you look at the 2010s and a little bit earlier, there were loads of zombie games. And indeed, you know, zombie games go back into the 90s because the zombie horror, like vampires and werewolves goes way back in cinema and people who watch movies are the people who influence the stories and settings of video games you get the idea so the point here is that with all the video game options out there like the resident evils and things like that there are so many options out there for video games where you can shoot zombies be chased by zombies there's an entire genre called survival horror where you'd never have quite enough ammunition. So you've got to be very careful about how you use it or could you creep around it. And there were loads of those games. Some of them were garbage. Some of them were very good. And it was clear, in the case of Neil Druckmann, is he liked those and Naughty Dog was beginning to get into its stride. Naughty Dog had done a number of games, but it was The Last of Us that really made people take up and pay attention to that particular studio, game design studio. The other thing that they're famous for is the Uncharted games. And that was turned into a Hollywood movie starring Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. So, you know, that got made by Sony, unsurprisingly, using their their Sony superhero, Mr. Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland, into a rather so-so movie. Nobody was sitting there going, do you know what, Uncharted is going to be worrying Indiana Jones. Because it was clearly the video game was influenced by Indiana Jones, set in the modern world, but a kind of 
tomb raidery archaeologist type guy all you know action but also searching for the lost treasure and all that good stuff they're great games uh the movie is staggeringly average with way too much cgi so when it came to the last of us and it was going to be turned into a tv series there are a lot of people thinking oh it's just another zombie game oh, let's face it there's the walking dead that's been going for way over a decade what's it going to bring to the table that's going to be different so when eventually the, the people in the know like me it's like yeah but it's not zombies you know, Neil Druckmann was very clever with what he chose to give a different aesthetic. But if you like, the mechanics are the same. Slow, shambling, brainless things coming towards you at times in the game. A post-apocalyptic setting, like some other video games to do with zombies and movies as well. But in this case, it's actually to do with fungi. And that means that just the visual palette is different. I mean, with zombies, it's almost always grey, if you like, and sort of like pallid flesh tones, etc. But with fungus, of course, they can be all kinds of beautiful, bright colours. So it looks different. And if you like, the threats to you are subtly different. And what's happening to society is also different. So it's a classic thing of they didn't reinvent the wheel, but what they did do is take something that people liked and gave it a, an original twist to it, which worked so, so well, because here we are talking about it in 2023. And yes, yeah, so if you like, The Last of Us gives us a bit about video game entertainment history over the last at least 30 years. And also it tells us a little bit, or if you like, it's making reference to things that have been in very recent events. You know, I'm talking about COVID and also things like Spanish flu or the Black Death and just generally these pandemics that from time to time blow up and cause huge disruption to society, which again we see in The Last of Us. It's very similar to a zombie apocalypse, but like I say, there are some notable differences. So Neil Druckmann wanted to create something that people, if you like, if you're trying to sell the idea of a video game, and this is a lot of things that people don't understand about video games, they took a lot more time and effort to make than a movie. So if you're going to do it, people are increasingly risk averse, which is why we get endless sequels and also why there was great innovation about video game playability and features in, let's say, the very early 2000s. But by the 2020s, we start getting video games just looking the same, playing the same. And, and if it's from a certain publisher, you kind of already know how it's going to play. And it may look very pretty and it may be a good game, but you've already played this game three or four times before looking at you, Ubisoft and Far Cry. Far Cry 3 was an amazing game. Far Cry 4 was just more of it only in mountains rather than jungles. Far Cry 5 was in America and was exactly the same game and that's the point i finished i didn't bother with far cry 6 because i've already played it multiple 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 times there we go so the last of us came out in 2013 and what was unusual is while it got really good reviews it got good reviews for its gameplay because it's a well-polished put together survival horror type game in a weird way, it's a bit like Zombies meet Uncharted. It's not an open world. You're basically going through a defined level with defined quick-time events or events that are going to happen with cutscenes, with specific story beats to them. This is a well-put-together story. And that was the other thing that was getting great reviews. The, the interactions between Joel and Ellie, they really felt like fully-rounded three-dimensional characters that you would get in a good tv drama 
I'm not going to say that The Last of Us is the best story video games has ever told. There are some cracking stories out there. It might be The Witcher 3. It might be Mass Effect. There are quite a few of them. But creating a character that you don't just play like Mario, more on him in a minute, but actually you you feel for these people. You, you kind of understand them as a person, even though they are just pixels on the screen. That's a real achievement, and I give Neil Druckmann 10 out of 10 for that. So it sold okay. It got great reviews, but then it started getting uh, sort of like remasters and reissues and sort of a, a ground-up rebuild in 2022. And in 2020, so before the ground-up rebuild, if you like, in 2020, there was The Last of Us Part Two, And that's the thing. The Last of Us was the name of the video game. The remaster, which came out in 2022, is actually called The Last of Us Part One because we'd already had, or just had, the Last of Us Part 2. And indeed, there is a plan for Last of Us Part 3, which will finish everything off. But the plan was, at the end of The Last of Us, it ends. So Neil Druckmann had to work very, very hard as to how do we keep things going for a second part. And it was very controversial. I'm No spoilers here, but it was very controversial. And I'll give him 10 out of 10 for going there and having sort of like a meditation on certain elements of what it is to be human. In part one, it's uh, this isn't much of a spoiler, but and one of the genius bits, if you've only seen the TV show, you sort of start off with the daughter, and you know what? You do the same thing in the video game. Only the point of a video game is you need to know how to play it. So if you start off as the daughter character in her bedroom, you start working out how to move around, how to search for things, and so on and so forth. You can look out the window and so on and so forth. And so... You, st- you see, you're introduced to this world through the eyes of a child, and then this happens in episode one of the TV show, and also it uh, happens very early on in the video game. When that daughter dies, the person you've been playing, that has a bigger shock to you as a video game player than watching a TV show, because you never made that TV character do anything. It's a bit of genius storytelling. Then it flashes forwards, and then we follow her dad, Joel, now surviving in this sort of post-apocalyptic world. And so when he meets up with this uh, young teenage girl, Ellie, they certainly don't get on. This is this is not the classic thing of, like, they instantly bond or anything like that. There are all kinds of very good reasons for them to be deeply distrustful of each other, but they just need to get on with it. But of course, you can see that over time, Joel is finding, if you like, his surrogate daughter again. And also Ellie has never really had a father in her life as well. So they go from distrusting strangers to having this incredibly sweet bond, which is a phrase you very rarely get associated with video games. So that's the base story. And now I want to, uh, if you like, go into the other part of video games. And that is, I've heard a number of people saying, wow, The Last of Us, it's, it's so good that it breaks the video game curse. What is that? Why do people believe there is one? And actually, it is wrong. And I'll explain why. So, one of the biggest video games of the 1980s was various versions of Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, and and things like that. And Mario became a worldwide recognized brand. Indeed, to this day, he's as recognizable as the likes of Mickey Mouse. And you've also got things like Sonic the Hedgehog from Sega, but that ended up being bought by Nintendo, so 
you get Sonic sometimes trying, who used to be a competitor of Mario, now even in the same games at times as Mario. So Mario is out there. It's huge, you know, huge amounts of video games with Mario on the title are selling. So what does Hollywood do? Well, they quite often, if books sell heavily, let's turn that book into a movie. And a lot of book adaptations are lousy. Sometimes they're great, like The English Patient or Lord of the Rings. And sometimes they aren't, like almost all of them because you probably can't even refer to them I, I, I think perhaps quite a good famous example would be the book thief which is an exceptional book uh which was written some 10 15 years ago and was turned into a movie and everybody went it's fine whereas the book is exceptional the film is fine in other words it is inferior to the the original text so when it comes to video games, that was a new idea for Hollywood. They hadn't been doing that for decades. And in 1993, they brought out a Mario Brothers, Super Mario Bros. B-R-O-S dot, okay? So Super Mario Bros. comes out where Mario is played by Bob Hoskins, that famous Italian plumber who's a British actor. So he kind of looked the pie, sort of short and stocky, give him a moustache, fair enough. Luigi was played by John Leguizamo, and also you've got Dennis Hopper playing the main bad guy in it. So like, look, talent was put into it. Money was put into it. But this was an example of how Hollywood didn't understand what they've got, because basically they didn't do anything that vaguely resembled the video game because the video game is about a little blob on the screen jumping up and down and uh, yes they do actually have kind of hydraulic shoes in the movie but uh, it's it's just it is widely considered one of the biggest misfires in hollywood not not necessarily the one of the biggest flops or anything like that but it's just like this is when people were chasing money and nobody thought to actually have any creativity and so ultimately if you're a fan of the video games you do not recognize anything on the screen and if you're not a fan of the video games, why would you go and see this mess? It's not well acted. It's not particularly exciting. It's just weird, sort of strangely sinister. It's almost like if Terry Gilliam had his, had a go at Mario. So it's, it's the Brazil of video game movies. It was critically mauled. It was a box office flop. It was everything that you don't want to happen. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. 
Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. ...to your new project, and it made... Hollywood studios get very nervous around video games. Maybe there's a reason why kids play them on their TV at home. Because they're certainly not going to the cinemas to see it. But the, that was the wrong lesson. It wasn't that kids didn't want to see video game characters on screen. What they didn't want was just garbage, basically. Because who wants garbage? That's the problem. So, that was 1993, and almost immediately you get other games that actually, or or I should say other games that get turned into movies, and some of them are actually pretty good. A a, a classic example is the two original Lara Croft movies starring Angelina Jolie, particularly the first one. It's solid. I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to turn around and say this is going to rival Indiana Jones, but it's, you know, she looks the part, she's athletic, money's been put into the movie, You've got Daniel Craig playing her wet boyfriend. Yes, James Bond is Lara Croft's boyfriend. And yeah, it's... Also, you get Arnold Rimmer, if you like Red Dwarf, playing the... Well, Chris Barry is the actor's name, playing the, the butler. So it's, it is it is a fun, fine, average three-star movie. It's nowhere near... it, And it made enough money to get a sequel. But it's it's nowhere near the disaster, if you like, of Super Mario Bros. And also, it's it's also... It was averagely reviewed again not five star but not a disaster so it it worked basically it worked as i said enough for it to get a sequel and indeed many years later you get a complete reboot just of the video game rebooted to be a bit more gritty and to age down lara to sort of like being in the late teens and they did exactly uh the same thing with a tomb raider movie which did did it underwhelmed at the box office. It was given solid reviews. Perhaps mechanically, it's a slightly better movie than the the original Lara Croft films, but it didn't set the box office alight. So yeah, that was called quietly shelved. My point here is that people remember the huge flops. Doom, a colossally big video game, was turned into a movie starring Carl Urban and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I saw that one on video, for the record, or DVD, and that was trash. You know, for one of the most uh, era-defining video games, it was one of the worst movies ever. It was just amateurish, awful. And again, it didn't give you what you wanted if you wanted the video game. So there are lots of examples like Doom, like Super Mario Bros., and also... Yeah, the, the UA Bowl's House of the Dead. UA Bowl is considered one of the worst directors ever, and somehow he managed to get his hands on a number of video game franchises and just churn out cheap garbage movies. Blood Rain being another example. So there are loads of bad video game movies, but also there's some that are solid. Well, I've already mentioned a few, but 
moving along a little bit, you get something like Wreck-It Ralph, which is all about video games. And admittedly, Wreck-It Ralph himself was not a video game character, but he meets video game characters and even more of them in the second one where he breaks the internet. And also you get other movies, as I said, like Uncharted, which is another three starer, if if you like. Um, and and so, there, you know, there are these little glimmers. Perhaps one of the best examples that made money and people, yeah, it's fine, it's cool, it's entertaining, was Detective Pikachu. And that was a film and a video game and Pikachu you've probably even heard of in the world of Pokemon. So there were lots of successful anime movies starring, you know, video game characters, etc., and you get other things like Arcane, which came out a couple of years ago on Netflix, surprised everybody. The animation for Arcane is absolutely amazing and is actually nothing like the characters are from a video game called League of Legends. But actually what's happening on the screen is nothing like the the actual video game. So it is but it absolutely fills out the characters. It's incredibly emotional. It's incredibly beautiful to watch. And it's sort of time jumps as well. So sort of skips time. It's an amazing thing. So when people said when The Last of Us came out with Pedro Pascal, uh, you know, who's having quite the time of it with The Mandalorian and various movie projects as well, and Bella Ramsey, a little British institution there, uh, playing uh, Joel and Ellie, people were saying, oh, you know, it's finally breaking the curse. Well, if you've been paying attention, there were a lot of things that could have been said to have broken the curse. But if you like Last of Us out of any of these things I've just mentioned has been the best reviewed. This is a good quality drama, better than the likes of The Walking Dead. But what I want to do now is now that I've sort of like taken you through the history of like video game franchises, attempts, etc. I also want to sort of talk you through a little bit about what's going on in the actual video game. Because Orphea Cordyceps is the thing that is causing all the problems. It's a very specific type of fungi, which they actually introduce. If you listen to, there's actually a podcast where Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin, who is Craig Mazin, is the man behind the movie The Hangover, which is a great comedy, and Chernobyl, which is an incredibly serious, staggeringly well-reviewed, short HBO series about the Chernobyl disaster. And those two things shouldn't be living in the same man's brain, but they were. And basically, Craig was so enamoured with The Last of Us that he basically spoke to Neil Druckmann. They didn't know each other, and he basically said, look, after the success of Chernobyl... I can do anything I want, and I want to do The Last of Us. And so the two of them started to talk, and now the two of them have absolutely done a brilliant job creating this TV show. But they said in their own podcast, or like reviewing each episode, that they wanted to introduce the idea of Orpheocordyceps, or Cordyceps as the abbreviation goes, by showing you some footage, and they just realised it was it was too much like a documentary. And while there's nothing wrong with that, it kind of it just slowed down the whole thing. So instead, the opening of episode one is actually a a sort of a talk between various scientists in the late 1960s and they're talking about viruses and how that worries people but then you actually goes to no the thing that really worries me because people survive viruses invariably you know there's a viable population but what scares me is fungi because we've got no resistance to them and if they sort of latch on to us then we're done for it's a really sort of chilling opening which also explains to you very sensibly what on earth's going on here and it's absolutely true. Orphiocordyceps is a real fungi. And the thing about fungi is they're not plants. They are so ancient, they fall between 
the two families of life of plant and animal. They're not animals, they're not plants, they're just fungi, okay? And they kind of do their own thing. They don't move, much like plants, but they do things that plants don't do. And so this cordyceps is a real one, and basically it gets into ants. And then it basically starts growing like a mold inside the ants and specifically grows into their brain. And then it starts changing the brain chemistry, which makes the ant sort of go up into the tip of a, a blade of grass or a leaf. So it gets seen by a bird where it gets eaten. And basically cordyceps survives the digestive tract of the bird, gets deposited again in, in bird poo and then gets eaten up or gets sort of like disseminated back into the food chain again. So that's how it continues to grow and change. So the thing about it is when I describe it like that, it sounds really chilling because if that, if, you know, if you had a fungi that kind of worked in human brains and sort of like made us sort of do what it wanted it to. And the whole point of it was for us to sort of like spread the fungi. That's basically how zombies work. So well done, Neil Druckmann, by coming up with something that is very different to zombies there's no requirement for undeadness here. It's just they're just doing what they did to ants, to humans. Now, a key difference is in the video game, a lot of it is passed through spores. If you see the sort of like weird, horrible tentacly things coming out of their mouths in the, in the TV series, that's great and it's disgusting, but that ain't how it actually spreads in the video game, and that's fine. But what I wanted to say with that is they've had to make a number of changes. And for starters, a video game, and this is something, again, that both Neil and Craig understand, a video game is a different medium to TV shows or movies, etc. So they have to move things around or it wouldn't be very satisfying. You wouldn't want a direct replacement turned from a video game into a movie because it just wouldn't make sense. A lot of a video games about you doing stuff Whereas watching a TV show or watching a movie is very passive by comparison, but it allows you to pause and have more character development in a different way to the cutscenes. And let's face it, some of the cutscenes in the actual video game are reproduced almost word for word, you know, scene by scene in the TV show, but they fill it out with different things and they make sure that things are different. Certain people die in very different ways to how you're expecting them to. There's the famous one with Nick Offerman's episode three, which is completely different to what happens in the video game and actually get this lovely backstory about some characters who are very minor characters in the video game, but my God, that fleshes them out. What we've got here with the cordyceps is, you know, we've got these sort of hordes of zombie-like things. We're trying to spread their stuff, but not so much through spores, but actually more through biting you or sort of infecting you in other ways or more close contact. This is obviously perhaps visually more pleasing, but, you know, there's still clickers and bloaters, etc. You know, there's, there's still the sort of standard types of infected running around and they can be called infected rather than walkers in like Walking Dead or zombies or etc. It's a legitimate phrase, if you like. They can have their cake and eat it too, but part of it might also be because Pedro Pascal is in the monster TV series The Mandalorian, where he plays The Mandalorian, and he hardly ever takes the helmet off, so quite frankly, I could be playing The Mandalorian. I could understand his frustration about, really? I mean, he did sign up for it. He did know what was going to go on, but he perhaps didn't realise how big it was going to be, and it's like, there are scenes in the actual video game where Joel is putting a mask on to keep him safe from the spores, but that isn't happening, and it's not the way it's spread in the TV show, so we can see Pedro's gorgeous face at all times. The point here is this. I've, I've actually seen some sort of like little documentaries by doctors. There are a number of doctors and lawyers and people like that, that when something big happens on TV, they're really excited. It's like, oh, I can tell you a bit about what I actually do for a living. 
And so there was a very important part here, and I'd like to tell, the, tell this to you all right now. There is no way. This is a classic example of science fiction. Cordyceps is not going to take us over, even with global warming or anything like that, because it has taken the cordyceps fungi 100 plus million years to adapt to the DNA and to the life cycle of ants. So, yes, in theory, they could jump to another species, but it would take them millions upon millions of years and all that good evolution stuff happening. So, that's the good news there. I wanted to say about that. But the thing you're obviously seeing is almost all of society has been wiped out. And FEDRA, which is a federal agency that does exist in America, is now almost like a military dictatorship because they started off saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. But over the years, they were the only ones in charge. So they just continued to run everybody. And it was a bit like that in 2020, wasn't it? When suddenly the government was taking away our civil liberties to try and keep us safe. And if that had continued... There might well have been a point. There were already people sort of saying, I refuse to wear a mask or I refuse to sort of like socially distance. It's my rights, etc. And I'm going to say in the middle of a pandemic, that makes you selfish. But, you know, after three years of it, four years of it, at what point do you say, hang on, when do we need to take all that power away from you guys? So there is that element that literally we've lived through right now. But again, which you saw with COVID, it completely changed society. And we're still feeling the aftershocks of COVID rewind a hundred years and we're in the middle of what was called spanish flu which killed about 80 million people worldwide between 10 and 15 million died in world war one so that happened and then immediately after it we then had spanish flu so called and this is interesting because the flu the influenza it's now thought modern day scientists and virologists think that it started in america but the thing is america and britain and france and germany they were all fighting in world war one and therefore they already had horrifying casualty lists. Spain was neutral in World War I, so when it came to reporting the deaths from this virus, they were more honest than these other, inverted commas, democracies. Germany wasn't a democracy, but you get my point. So it looked like it started at Spain and was more virulent in Spain, and it was just actually the Spanish press being more honest than something like the Washington Post or the Times of London. But then obviously if you go back to the 1300s, 1348 is when it's a largely hit Western Europe, you get the Black Death, the Black Plague, as people sometimes call it. And what's interesting about that, again, I've been talking to virologists and they sort of chuckle going, historians say between a third and a half of Europe was wiped out. However, being a virologist, you just look at the data you have. And whenever you look at the data of things like death records in parishes, it's always about 50%. So it's not between a third and half of Europe. It does look like the science is saying it was half of Europe. And of course, if half of the population is dead, that again completely changes society. So again, you're sort of getting massive changes by a single-celled organism. You know, it was never the plan of anybody to change society in the 1300s or in the early 1900s or in the early 21st century. But it did because of an outbreak of single cell organisms and whereas yes a fungi i guess at some point could cause us problems it could start killing parts of our food chain and we need to eat that would be an issue then yes there could be that a fungus could actually affect our society in some way so there we go so the last of us does do a pretty good job of showing everybody how it can change the world and what I would say about that is, obviously, the game itself came out in 2013, at the time when, they're, like I say, there were all these kind of post-apocalyptic zombie-type things coming out. 
But when we get to the actual TV show, it's being filmed in the wake of COVID, where people know about things like quarantine and stuff like that. It is on the front of everybody's mind. It creates another layer. It was never there to begin with, but it's very easy to very slightly nudge it to one side, and it becomes a metaphor for COVID as well. Another sign of the genius of Neil and Craig. Well done, gentlemen. So that's it for The Last of Us. Like I said, not quite enough for a whole episode, but I want to go back to the fact, hey, there's going to be two episodes. Please tell me if you actually want two episodes. That would be useful. I have asked a few people, and uh, the, the response was positive, largely. Thank you very much. But, you know, let me know. And obviously, I need lots of suggestions, so please keep the suggestions coming. That really helps. Appreciate that. But also, on a practical point, this podcast, you may probably work out, does not exactly pay the bills for either myself or Greg. So... Greg and I had a long, hard conversation about this because I love the way Greg edits this, and I hope you do too. I mean, he's done these amazing ones. Like, yeah, I love the one when I was talking about James Cameron Avatar. Then he edited together Titanic and Back to the Future to create a sequel to Titanic. That was, that was just brilliant. But all that stuff takes time. And even though I try and keep my audio clean, I try not to stumble on my words too much to make it easy for him to edit, he's still going through the audio files and cutting bits out and making me sound good. Thank you very much, Greg. Oh my god, it's a dream! So, if we're going to be doing double the amount of stuff, that does mean that Greg will not be able to be quite so fancy with his edits. So, I'm sure there'll be sort of like the occasional comedy clip in it, but it won't be to the extent of some of the other ones. The, the heaviest lifting one, my 50th birthday episode, that one I actually said I'd really love you to put a little bit in for every single movie. That means sourcing 50 clips, plus also t cleaning up the audio. It took him quite a while to pull that one together. Thank you so much for that one, Greg but I'm not going to be making any of those sorts of requests moving forwards. So I hope that you get a slightly stripped-down version that you like. I mean, the quality should still be there. Perhaps the creativity might be a little bit more down to my voice and shot topics. But great will absolutely be there in the background, but we've got to be practical about our time. Again, would love to get your thoughts. I'm at Gemdaducho on Twitter. And as always, another episode coming, in this case, very soon. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.